shells from the ocean shining in the sun covering the shore when I see them my heart tells me that I love you more than all the little pearly shells this is where it began the show business career of the late John Frawley, later to be known as John the Man. He was with the Monarchs show band and sang the lead on their 1964 recording of Pearly Shells. Pearly shells from the ocean, shining in the sun, covering the shore. After a spell as a nurse and a presenter with Limerick Weekly Echo radio station, John Frawley set up his own station, Radio Limney. Oh, see, I don't know where I am. It is 2.22 at Radio Limney. During its 15-odd years, the station broadcast from a number of Limerick city centre buildings. Dan Lawless, who worked there, describes one of them. Staff or whatever had to wear wellies to come in. It flooded in very severe uh, westerly uh, conditions, I suppose. The water just came flying up the Shannon. It walked or just swam in his door. He, on numerous occasions, wore Wellingtons to get to the stairs. A general meeting of ranks workers has been called for 6 o'clock this Tuesday evening, the 25th of January. Sorry, the meeting is scheduled for Connolly Hall. And as you went up the few flights of steps on the, the left-hand wall as you went up, you could look through a large crevice rather than crack in the wall. And I suppose it was from six inches to a foot wide in some places. And through it, you just got a most magnificent view of the River Shannon. I saw James Rail on his bicycle last night. Oh, talk to I met him in the chemist shop, yeah. out. He passed me out and I done 28. And as you hit towards the top floor where we were, you always met half a dozen pigeons or whatever nesting or getting in out of the weather uh, from the back windows, which were many were missing, panes of glass missing. I couldn't get Irish matches in Stockholm. And then when you got up into what he calls Studio 4 or 2 or 3 or 5, uh, they all had different numbers, even though it was the same little desk, that, well, a little bit of timber with a bunch of records and a cassette player and a microphone at either side of it, and there were times when the one microphone did for everything that went. What are you banging, sir? What in the name and honour of God is this thing in front of my microphone? That's a bucket. There must have been a drip down in Studio 4. There was drips everywhere, and there's another one after going into Studio 4. I beg your pardon, sir. The facilities may have been the very worst, but what went out on air was often local radio at its very best. Radio Limney was unmistakably a Limerick station and didn't pretend to be anything else. It was proud of Limerick and spoke to the people of the city about themselves and their neighbours. Nowhere was this more apparent than in the on-air personality of John the Man himself. Jim Wallace, who worked in a rival station, describes his technique. He developed a sort of folksy, intimate way of speaking to listeners that was quite new on Irish radio. There are instances of it, I think, in, in American radio. I, I had had people do the same sort of thing in America, but John was the first one, I think, who did this in Ireland. Uh, and it, it struck a chord, particularly with, uh, if you'll forgive me for saying so, the older listeners in, in his audience. Uh, they felt that they were there was a friend talking to them. I was listening to him one morning, and mid-sentence, he was reading out a request, and mid-sentence uh, he said, excuse me a minute, listeners, and you could hear him walking away from the, the microphone, and the window going up 
in the studio behind him and he obviously had seen somebody out on the main street that he wanted to have a word with and you could actually hear him shout out the window Johnny call up and see me on Tuesday Mary said she can't get up for the meeting but call up and see me on Tuesday about five o'clock all right and you could hear somebody on the street answering him back and he came back and said at the, stu- at the microphone in the studio and said well, what was I talking about? And on he got with it. And that was John DeMann. That was typical John DeMann. I got he was very homely, you know. It was the same as he'd been to the house with you. Who for the rocker? <laughs> what did that mean? <laughs> what did that mean? Well, it, was a, it was an old name saying, who threw the stone, I suppose, would be the correct uh, medium. Right. But, like, it was just, who for the rocker? It was real limerick, uh, <laughs> a real limerick idiom. Noel O'Connor had to employ two extra men scraping bellies. He's the only man that still scrapes the belly in Limerick City, yep. is that right, sir? They were scraping all Saturday morning. Bear juice. I went in, said nothing, you see. Good I man, said, John. I have no fact, sir. You're shifting a lot of tripe, kids, as I Tim. It was a, a cold, snowy day, and I was out selling ads, and I came in in a, what I think he may have referred to over the radio as a farting jacket. It was a waist-like thing, and it was a, a sort of a light jacket, and he looked at me, it was snowy, he said, over the radio, again, everything, nothing was like private or sacred at all. He said, oh, God help us, is this all you've got to wear? And he did his usual, but you creature and listeners, here comes Dan, and he's got nothing on him. He needs a new coat. And I said, no, John, it's fine. He said, Would your, does your mother send you out like this? And, oh, God, this is getting worse. So he, on my behalf, without consulting me, put out an appeal to the city for a top coat for me so he asked my size and he gave it out and people started hopping on the phone with Dan Lawless like this coat or that coat. I said, oh God. So I just went uptown and I just bought a coat. I said, this is like, forget this one. His widow Breed said she didn't recognise him when she first heard his new persona on air. John was a very uh, sophisticated, intelligent man in a lot of ways, which, you know, he'd, he'd never put across on the radio, you know. He, he knew what uh, um, people wanted to hear and uh, he, he gave it to them you know he packaged himself and he was very well able to do it because he he had a tremendous uh, love of limerick and an instinct for what uh, amused people i run an electrical business on the top of william street and uh, people just come in to me particularly the older folk come in to me and they said put in the batteries into the radio and set it for john the men that was one of the popular ones and we used to do that all the time and they were quite happy when it was set for john the men's program he was a great man for the old people. There's a lot of old people in flats in Limerick today suffering over his departure. You know what I mean? Yes. There's a lot of people suffering. Uh, like, uh, they reared you on by the side of the bed. A one room probably burned out basement in O'Connell Avenue. Probably an old lady, an old man, 70 or 80 years of age, or probably had a hand maybe in, in, in their boyhood days, probably fighting the war. And an old radio. When he went, you see, they knew no order. They wanted to hear local news. The old songs over the hedge mass, I or Dan, the Calipi brothers playing the cardin or something like that. I'll take you home again, but there was another one he had outside for the women outside in the over the, the metal bridge we call it, um, uh, the dressing gown brigade. You know what I mean? Now would there would be the women going around the house to say, not in the maternity, there would be the women going around the house to say, getting the breakfast ready for the children. But there was a John was saying there, 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 um, there was another one outside the maternity, ladies in waiting. All right. And then there was sunshine. He had a great old club there too, the Piano Avant Club. Yeah, tell me about that. Someone <laughs> else mentioned that. Huh? Can you tell me a little about huh? that? 
And his, his attitude was like, you know, if you are the bank or uh, just an old son, don't pay anyone. Join the pay no woman club. <laughs> Getting the children out of bed, what do you say to the children? Get on for a bit and keep your hands on the sugar and all that. Do you know all the different yeah. old sayings you had? Like, you know, get out of school, get school and make sure you have your uniform on and, you know, and your bag packed and all that kind of. Do you know, it's just all normal talk that you'd hear around Limerick. You know, it was good old sport, wasn't it? You'd always enjoy him, you know, and they, when he'd start playing requests, here I'd go once again every morning. <laughs> when he'd know the kids were getting up to go out to school. Here I go. Once again, with my suitcase in my hand, I'm running away down River Road. Over we go to Studio and 4, 26 and a half minutes to 3, so help me, I'll dock him. Uh, Walter's Wonderful World, coming your way now until 5 o'clock, God help us all. Be warned, switch off now while you have time. Surprisingly enough, despite his popularity and the length of time he spent on air, there are very few recordings of John the Man on the radio. This is one made in 1983, where he's taking part in Walter Stanley's Wonderful World show. Oh yes, well, Noel, what's the latest, what's happening? Noel McDonough's daughter, she's moving. What, 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 John? She's shifting? Yeah. Where, who? She's moving. She was in a basement alongside the food cellar in Cecil Street. Yeah. She'll be moving shortly to the corner of Cecil Street and Catherine Street alongside the pet shop. Mm, so uh-huh. Dan, how right knows that Dan is... Ground floor, coming out of the basement, coming up in the world. Small. We'll all be able to see Suzanne one of a these days. Wrong. Walter, she's lovely. Go away. Walter used to do his afternoon programmes once a week on his day off, and uh, I was doing the phone at the time for that particular programme, and... Every half hour, I'd go down to Maguire's next door and I would just like order three pints of Guinness, please. And this went on like for two and a half or three hours once a week. And it was wonderful. And they just had wonderful sport. And they would talk as if they were having another little mug of tea and they'd be blowing the froth off the cup. Who did I meet? I great scatter. Gus Doyle's fiancé back from America. The lady with the gold teeth. Miss Wilson. Yes. Met her last night with the gold teeth. Back again. Back. Back since September. Gus never told us. Must be loaded. Rotten in it. Rotten in it. He also had a telling gift uh, for for, for a a good phrase. I, you know, you think, for example, of uh, when he started to do a weather report. Uh, John's way of, of telling you which way the wind was blowing was to describe how Percy's uh, flag was, was flying. Percy being the, the manager of the bank, which happened to be across the road from the station. And uh, John would, would say, oh, you know, the weather's getting bad. Percy's flag is fluttering very hard here this morning. Percy O'Kennedy, the local AIB bank manager, was just one of the many characters who filled the stage of John's programmes. He'd broadcast twice a day, in the morning and early afternoon. After his morning show, he'd walk through the city centre. And in the afternoon show, he'd talk about everyone he had met on his sojourn and what they had to say to him. This is Percy, the man with the flag. On one occasion, I remember telling him that uh, my sister uh, kept uh, a radio out in the cow bar so that when she was milking the cows in the morning, she could hear who was dead, as John, as you know, always uh, read out the people who had died the previous day and the funeral arrangements. But when I told him this, he said to me, what, uh, what's her name? So I said, Joan. And then uh, quite regularly uh, after that, in the morning, out of the blue, he would say, hello, Joan, how are you doing out there? How are the cows milking? 
Himself is late gone to work this morning. Percy's sister wasn't alone in wanting to hear the obituaries. It was a part of his programmes that many people wouldn't miss. Jim Wallace again. The way in which he hit upon the idea of doing obituaries was that he was stuck one morning waiting for somebody to come in uh, who was supposed to do a show and didn't turn up which happened quite a lot in pilot radio. So he had to keep going. And searching around for something to, to fill the airwaves with, he hit upon the Cork Examiner and decided he would do a couple of bits out of it. His eye lit upon the obituary for somebody, and he wondered out loud whether this wasn't a relation of somebody he had known as a lad, and went on from there, and then just ran down the other obituaries for the ones that were rele- you know, relevant to the Limerick area. And, and so they... <laughs> the obituaries on radio were born. He talked about the people who had died uh, in, in almost as if he had known them personally. And for the listeners outside, it was almost like holding a wake over the air for the people who had died because he would talk about where they had lived, who their relations were, what they had done in life, what pub they liked to go to, whether they were football followers, uh, whether they were members of local societies or whatever. Uh, And in a sense, it was the kind of thing that used to go on at Irish wakes in the past where everything the dead person did was drawn up in a kindly light and, and, and looked over and people refreshed their memories of the person who had gone. John did this on the air for people. And, and this was something that had not been heard before. And it was part of his style and part of the way in which he was an innovator in radio. Oh, and you know, we have Limerick Laundry and Dry Cleaning Services. Formerly the Good Shepherd is at Pennywell Road, Limerick. Limerick's own laundry and dry cleaning services. It, the business side of his uh, the station was, was run very, very tightly. In fact, he never put an ad out without being first paid for it. And that included people like Dunn Stores who had to take cash out of their tills. He refused to deal with an agency. He was paid cash in advance for every single ad that went out. So he, he ran a highly successful um, monetary enterprise as well, you know. Happy Butcher, no O'Connor, and he's happier than ever this month, celebrating four years non-stop with Radio Limneem. 30 pence a pound for the lovely dripping for your chips. Packet and stripe 50 pence a pound fresh daily. Sausages and put Despite his success daily. in later years, John Frawley closed up Radio Limney when local radio licences were advertised and he had no more involvement in radio. However, his departure didn't make it any easier for the new legitimate Radio Limerick, which was run by Jim Wallace. Simply, he was a very hard act to follow. We tried to reach as many people as possible and to meet as many demands and needs as possible while still keeping an eye on the fact that we had to earn a living. Uh, And this inevitably led to problems. People were saying, there's not enough of what we want on the air. And of course, I ran into the problem then with probably John's greatest innovation on local radio, the obituaries, that a woman rang me up one morning and said, definitely, she says, you're not doing as many obituaries as John used to do at all. And, And for a moment, I was taken aback because the implication was that there weren't as many people dying now as there had been when John was doing it. But what she really meant was that we were doing the obituaries quite straight, uh, whereas John, in fact, didn't. One of the, one of the biggest things, I suppose, for me that um, really opened my eyes about John the Man and Radio Limney was uh, the Radio Limney Awards, which took place in the, um, the park where it was at the time here in Limerick. And that was a most amazing event. You could have five people, 500 people turning up. And John came up with this brilliant idea. <laughs> he would bring all the presenters on and give them awards at the end of the year. And invariably, he got to JJ Kennelly's uh, by the trophies and then come back and present them on the night. Now, you'd have 500 people there. But the finish of the night, the finish of the night, and John knew this well, was when all 500 were shouting for pearly shells. Pearl, they wanted pearly shells. And he'd get up and he would literally tear the house down with that type of thing. And they're the kind of memories I would have for him.
Yeah.